0: Temptation's a kind of a funny thing when we think about it because we don't always. It, it's something we all deal with every day. We don't always think about that, but we deal with it every day in in some form or another. One of my favorite lines about temptation comes from a, an old disc jockey. I'm an old disc jockey, so I appreciate what they say. Uh, uh, Robert Orban put it this way: Most people would like to be delivered from temptation, but would like it to keep in touch. You know. <laughs> I, I think I understand that and uh, certainly can relate to that in many, in many different ways because temptation is, is like that. But uh, the truth is that, uh, and seriously, when you think about it, Thomas Kempis, I think, probably uh, said it best when he said, we usually know what we can do, but temptation shows us who we are. And that really does have a way. Sometimes you stop and some of the thoughts that you have or just, that might just occur to you briefly... Uh, you're just like, wow, what am I? Well, I'll tell you what you are. You're a sinner uh, who needs the grace of Jesus in your life. That's true for all of us. I'm not much of a uh, quoter of Shakespeare, but he has this quote I'm going to use because it just, I think, says it all. Uh, Temptation is the fire that brings up the scum of the heart. And and so many times that is true. Some of the things that, that we might, think about doing in some cases some things that people end up doing um you're like how does that happen well it it just shows us what is at the heart of all people and that there's only really one cure and that's when one's heart is changed and and revolutionized by a relationship with, with with jesus christ and um and so that's what we're talking about now here we are um I'm going to take you to the, that, that Garden of Gethsemane, but you need to know what happened first. We have, we have what we call a Passover dinner. It's called We call it traditionally, we call it the Last Supper. That Last Supper, by the way, is when Jesus and all of his disciples, minus one, minus Judas, were, were in a, a place where they could have like a, a, a Last Supper, a Passover dinner. And that's the one that maybe you know about, because that's the one where they all got on one side of the table and somebody took a picture. That's the one. And um, so, I mean, that's what they had to do, I guess. But, but but, that's the one we're talking about right there. And here's the thing about that. Before before they left that room where they had the Last Supper, we would call it communion. They had the, the bread and the wine and so forth. And Jesus, you know, said, you know, do so in remembrance of me whenever you eat or whenever you drink. We're doing that tonight with communion, by the way, as we do every month. Um, before that, the tradition in the Jewish custom was to sing one of the psalms, usually Psalm 118 together, sort of as a, they didn't call it a benediction, but that's kind of what it was. And they would sing Psalm 118 before they would leave. And so before Jesus and his disciples go to the Garden of Gethsemane, they most likely sang this psalm, Psalm 118. And I'm not going to read the whole psalm to you because it's long, but let me just give you some of the highlights because I just want you to think about this. Jesus is singing this leading his disciples, at, the, at, at least, and singing this before he... Get this, get this. Let me get really put this in place for you. No more than two hours before he is betrayed by, G, by Judas. And he knew it. Jesus knew what was coming. He's God. And you can see from his prayer in just a moment, he, he really didn't know what was coming. So two hours before Judas betrays him, He's singing this song, knowing very well what's ahead of him with his disciples. Just look at some of these highlights. This is Psalm 118. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let's skip down to verse 5. In my distress, I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look in triumph at those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. Then you skip down a few verses. Verse 19. Open for me the gates where the righteous enter and I will go in and thank the Lord. These gates lead to the presence of the Lord and the godly enter there. So they're singing all this somewhere in the neighborhood of two hours before Judas does his deal and betrays Jesus. Now watch this next one. Watch this next one. They're seeing this. This just blows me away. Jesus is saying this. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I'm about to be betrayed. I'm about to be tortured. I'm about to go to the cross. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad And I'll tell you, I don't know if you've ever heard of that verse before, but it sure gives it a different, a different uh, flavor when you understand Jesus was saying that, singing that hours before he faced what he had to face, knowing he had to face it. Wow. Last verse says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. So they sing that. And they leave the what we call the upper room, and it most likely was an upper room. It's kind of small. I've been in what is called traditionally the upper room. It's really pretty small. I don't know how they got a photographer in there, but that's another story. Anyway, um, so they leave, and they go right across, if you know the area, across the Valley of Kidron. They go into uh, this 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 olive garden, Gethsemane. Now, what's interesting today, if you go there, and, and uh, this is the part that you guys frankly I could do without um, you now we Christians, we have a way of just screwing up everything and 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 it's, it's kind of like you get there and you really can't see a garden it's all big old ugly looking church, and um they covered up everything you know, so you can supposedly you know got glass over certain things and so it was really a really disappointing experience for me when I was there because I'm like I kind of wanted to you know I kind of wanted to feel the presence of Jesus or something. And uh, yeah, it's really kind of hard to do and all this commercialism, all this other stuff going on. So I sat in the back and just talked to the, it's a Greek Orthodox church. I sat back and talked to the Greek Orthodox priest. I said, so how did you guys get this site? How did you guys acquire this site? And he says, well, you know, it's kind of a, we just were managed and he gave me the dates. I don't remember what they were and so and forth and so forth. And, and I said, well, that's interesting. He says, he says to me, you know, we really have a uh, uh, sort of a, uh, uh, a thing that go we go with the Catholics and we who, and as to who has the most really good religious sites, us Greek Orthodox or the Catholics. Oh, well, what are you going to ask? I mean, what's the obvious question? Who's winning? You know. I mean, so I said, "Who's winning?" And he said, "Oh, we are." You know. And I'm like, "What would they say anyway?" He, anyway, it was kind of funny. But but the, the truth is, you go outside of uh, Jerusalem, twenty thirty miles. And, and you get in, a, and they still have plenty of olive gardens. And it really gets the, a sense of what Jesus was going through. Uh, it was quiet. It's quiet. It's just very, very, you know, very serene. Um, just uh, you can see why Jesus loved that. Matthew, Mark, and John all, all, the gospel writers talk about how the, this particular garden, this olive garden, um, was a place that Jesus and his disciples would hang out quite often, and Jesus would go to to pray quite often. Um, Gethsemane, the word itself, means like a, a wine, excuse me, an oil press, an oil press, like olive oil. And, of course, that was then and now, a uh, very, uh, very big deal in that part of the world, uh, some great, uh, great olive oil. So, I, I don't know, I guess Jesus and his disciples would hang around with olive oil and, you know, eat pita bread or something. But um, pretty much a, a real, real important part of the culture. So, Gethsemane means this, this, this oil press, that's where they're going, okay? Been there many times. Now we pick up the text. Matthew, Mark, Matthew, Mark and Luke all talk about this incident, John, a little bit. And, and he, here's the thing about that. You need to understand this if you don't understand this, because people say, I don't understand why certain things are in John, but they're not in Mark, and certain things are in, in Matthew. He, he, it's no different than if, if you and I were to, to witness something, and we all were to come back and, 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 and record our, our view of that. For instance, I always like to pick on clay, he's not in here now, but I always pick on clay. He and I were to witness something. We would come back and I would say, Boy, it was great, and it was this, and I do all the big and he would give you every minor detail. To the point where if you're a detail person, you're going, wow, that's great. But if you're a guy like me, you're like, okay, 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 okay. You know? But you see, neither one is right, and neither one is wrong. That's the way the gospel writers were. One guy would write from a one perspective. Luke would come along as a doctor, right from a different perspective. Mark, he's kind of, you know, he kind of write he write from a, a different perspective. They didn't contradict one another but they would have different perspectives. So I chose Mark for some different reasons. I'm going to quote Luke in here too. But that's why we, sometimes if you didn't know that, you need to know that. That's just, it's an important issue as you read the biographers, we call them the, the, the Gospels. I'm picking, I'm picking Mark's writing of this because it, for me, I really like the way he did it. Um, so in Mark chapter 14, I like the way the other ones did it too. There's some points here that I wanted to bring out. Mark chapter 14, we're going to pick it up in verse 13. You know, they leave the upper room They've had this song, Psalm 118, and then they, in verse 32, they went to the olive olive grove called Gethsemane. Jesus said, sit here while he's with all of his disciples except Judas. Sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became, watch this, watch this, please don't miss this, deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Don't miss this, people. Here Jesus is, three best friends. And it's no different than you saying, hey guys, I'm hurt. I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm crushed. I need you to stay here and pray for me. I'm gonna go a little further in where I can be by myself and just cry out to God. But you guys stay here and pray. Just stay here for me, please. Same thing. I've done that. Maybe you've done that. I don't know. If you haven't, you ought to. Verse 35, he went on a little further, fell to the ground. He prayed that if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, he cried out. Everything is possible. I'll come back to that. Everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, 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 I want your will to be done, not mine. Now watch what happens. Then he returned and found his disciples asleep. And he says to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? It's been an hour. Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. I'm going to come back to a couple of those things in a second. They couldn't even stay awake a freaking hour to pray. Now, for their, for, their, for their Lord, For their, they know who he is. They don't know what's going to happen. They've been told, but it didn't all register. Um, but they couldn't even stay awake an hour. Interesting, isn't it? That just shows you why he was Jesus. I mean, you know, that's where you would be just like, oh, I mean, how would you have responded to that if you're like that? I know what I would have done. It would have involved a three iron to somebody's head. But I mean, but this is God. He's like, you know, I'm sure he was Jesus. He was disappointed, but he's like, guys, come on. I need you to pray with me. Didn't get angry, didn't get mad, didn't sin. By the way, back up there in verse 36, he says, Abba Father. We need to address that. Somebody, I never thought of this. Somebody after the early service said, ah, I saw that Abba in there. I'm thinking, what's an 80s group doing in there? Um, oh man, I missed that one. Uh, Abba was a, was a, it's used two other times in the Bible. It's, it's a term of endearment. If you have, he you had a really good relationship with your father, and you have maybe a, a pet name or a name, you know, when you're really, you know, really, Daddy, I need, you know, I need the help. I need, you know, I need this. Or, you know, that's kind of what it's like. and it's, it's Jesus saying, oh, Father, Daddy, Papa, whatever that term of endearment is, I really need your help. That's, that's why he says, Abba, Father, you know. But then he says, please take this cup of suffering away. And what he's basically saying here is, if there's any other way, God, if there's any other way that sinners like, rich teeters and all his ilk who are going to come along and be the biggest sinners in the face of the earth. If there's any other way to save those people besides me going to the cross, me being tortured within hours and then going to the cross within hours and dying. And the good part is going to be resurrected. If there's any other way, God, I, is there? But I, I, I'm in, but it's like, it's like but, but your will, not mine. So listen, yes, he's 100% God, but he's still 100% man. And we have to understand that because that's the human side of him saying, I don't, I don't, I know what's coming. It's just at this point in time, it's less than an hour away. God, please, can, can you, can you do something here? Lord, Father. And then he says, Lord, not my will, but yours. Because he knows that he's going to carry the sins of all the world, not just mine. Mine's enough, believe me. But yours, everybody's, the whole world. He's going to carry all the sins of the world with him on that cross. And and, and, and he had to. For my forgiveness, my redemption, and for yours. And that's why we. That's how we trust Christ and believing what He did for us. So that's the prayer there, and it's just really, uh, it's just really heartfelt. By the way, um, well, verse thirty-seven. Then he returned found the disciples asleep, and he says, Simon, you know, Simon, you asleep? Couldn't you watch for even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. One of the things, when it says, when it says before that, you know, uh, you know, let this cup pass, you go to Luke in his passage he he gets more detailed and he 's a doctor and he writes this he, he he more He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like drops of blood. The temptation was that great for him that he wanted to he wanted to resist he wanted you know to give in that it was so hard that he literally swept sweat drops of blood or something like that, which we have never really experienced, probably because most of the time we give in before that. We give in to the temptation. Um, Jesus didn't, thankfully. Well, he goes back and prays. Verse 39, Jesus then left them again, prayed the same prayers before. When he returned to them again, look at this, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open, and they didn't know what to say. No, they didn't know what to say, because they felt like idiots. They're like, oh, gee, Lord, I'm sorry. I mean, I can't imagine, I mean, I can I can't imagine how Jesus handled that so well. I can too because he was God and I'm not. But he's like, come on. And then finally, verse 41, he returned to them a third time. He said, go ahead and sleep, have your rest. Then he said, oh, but no, the time has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. And in the next verse, Judas is there and um, he kisses him probably on the cheek or the hand, either one was customary, and says, Rabbi, and of course that was a signal for the Roman soldiers to take Jesus hostage. And then the trials begin, which, which Clay is going to deal with starting next week. So that's, that's where it is. But it, it comes back to this whole theme, how do we handle temptation? You know, we look at how Jesus handled temptation, and uh, you know, and we can talk about the different kinds of temptation. We can talk about whether it's idolatry. You know, thinking more highly. Idolatry is simply defined as something that consumes me. Um, Whether it be idolatry or immorality for some or dishonesty for some. Sloth. Gluttony. It's always one. Pride. Anger. Materialism. Get hung up on material stuff. Or maybe just, just you know, it just, just, just jerked them as I call it, just being a jerk. You know, and the thing is, about temptations, I have mine and you have yours, and sometimes they're equal. And some, um, sometimes they're the same, and sometimes they're not. They're all equal. But it's really easy to make a judgment if I don't have a particular temptation with, uh, in one area and somebody else does, and we can't do that. We're really good about doing that sometimes as Christians. Well, their temptation is worse than mine. No, it's not. It's all the same. It doesn't matter what it is. It's all, you know, what we're tempted to do. We need to learn through the power of Jesus to learn how to resist those temptations, whatever they might be. For one person, it might be, they might be a person given to anger. And another person comes along who doesn't really have that issue, and they're like, what's wrong with you? And another person comes along, he's given to he's given alcohol. And somebody else comes along who can have one drink and leave it at that. and And, and they're like, you know, what's wrong with you? You, you know, it, it doesn't matter which it is. Uh, what matters is how we deal with it. So how do we deal with that whole thing of temptation? How did Jesus deal with it? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to be real simple with this. Um, simple answer. Not simple to do, simple answer. One point, how do we deal with temptation? Passionate, heart-driven, Unabashedly honest prayer. That's it. That's everything. Not always easy. Jesus' prayer was so honest, he was even saying, God, is there any other way? He knew there wasn't. But he was just honest. And I'll tell you, God, God just, I think, rejoices when we, one of his children, come to him and say, Oh, God, I don't I don't like this i 'm kind of angry right now at the, this person i 'm even maybe a little upset with you, God. You know He wants us to be honest, and we need to deal with that and not stay there, we need to be honest and that 's how we handle temptation is just, look what Jesus' own words: keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak the, the spirit wants to do what 's right, but because we live in this, this 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 body, this very finite, limited body we have Many different kinds of temptations that's so easy to give into because of that. Oswald Chambers, who was a great uh, pastor of the uh, 19th century, wrote a great devotional book, a couple of them actually. He said this, We have not the remotest conception of what is done by our prayers, nor have we the right to try to examine and understand it all. All we know is that Jesus Christ laid all stress on prayer. What do you do with your stress? You say, I thought this message was about temptation. It is. But stress is a temptation. Because what do you do with your stress? Well, I'm gonna jog it off. I'm gonna eat it off. I'm a foodie. I'm gonna eat it off. I'm gonna drink it off. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna listen, there's nothing wrong with jogging, obviously. There's nothing wrong with with with, with a drink. There's nothing wrong with eating. It's when it becomes an excess, and when we're doing it to relieve us of our stress and the temptations that we might have, because it's not effective. What we we need to do, maybe we can do that while we're walking or jogging, but what we need to do is spend time with Christ praying about that. And maybe that means I have to leave my office and go to the bathroom and get in a stall by myself where I can just talk to God. got to be careful with that, because I might walk in on you, but... Yeah, but, you know, so but maybe it means I can go out and take a walk and just and just really pray. I, I don't know how it works for you, but it needs to be done. It needs to be done pretty regularly, and I don't mean just like regularly during the week. I mean during the day, uh, because at least if you have the temptations that I have on a daily basis, and you probably do, that's what he's talking about here. Well, you know, that's great. You know, you want to jog, you want to eat, you want to do whatever you want to. do. That's fine, but that's not that's not the answer. The answer is <laughs> real simple, really passionate, heart driven unabashedly honest prayer before God. Maybe that, Jesus, for Jesus it was an hour. He had that hour. You may only have three minutes. Take the three minutes. You may only have whatever you got. You take what you, make sure, I'm more concerned that you do that because that's so important. God, I'm, I'm you know, sometimes you've got to walk out of a situation and say, Lord, I am tempted right now. I am tempted to tell that person, you know, where they and all their relatives can go, you know, and maybe even the donkey they rode in on. But, That's not going to be helpful. And I need you to get control of my emotions. You know, or, or, you know, it might be, you know, Lord, I'm in this relationship and uh, there's some things going on here. Tempted to do some things that's not going to be honoring to you. I need some help. Whatever it might be for you. Listen, passionate, heart-driven, unabashedly honest prayer. It's not always easy. But I will tell you this. This is the good part. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the temptations in your life are no different from what others have experienced. You may think they are different, but they're not. God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Listen, you may think you're going through temptations that nobody else is going through. You're not. It only feels that way and 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 God is faithful and, and and he will you know he will he will not allow a temptation to be more than you can stand it may seem like it at the time but it's not and we know that because the bible teaches that so how do you deal with temptation you go to Jesus you do what he did in the garden really passionate heart driven just unabashedly honest prayer and and the Bible teaches he will honor that every time every time let's pray and ask God to, to, to drive that into our heart and then I want to tell you something real quick uh, Lord God thank you so much for the opportunity we have to talk about what are just really important matters I pray God that you would help us as we think through the week maybe If we can anticipate the temptations that are going to be there, and usually they're the same that we had last week, pray, God, that we would, as much as we can, anticipate that with with just asking you to help us through that time, whatever it is. And we thank you, Lord, that you're going to honor that. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.